Good evening, and welcome to the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program, sponsored by Heritage Baptist Church in New York City, a church that is committed to proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ in an atmosphere of love. Please join us this hour as Pastor Matthew Recker opens the Word of God and then brings others, including you, into the conversation. Tonight, we'll seek to have a dialogue that will glorify God and will show how the Bible is relevant to everyday life. Our desire is to lead people to salvation in Christ and encourage believers in their spiritual growth. Join us and build up your own heritage of faith. Great to be with you again this beautiful Sunday evening for the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program hosted by Pastor Matthew Recker. My name is Micah. I'm the ministry assistant at Heritage. And tonight we will discuss one of the most famous verses in the entire Bible. It's the gospel in a nutshell as we finish up Romans chapter 6. As always, we would love to hear from you. We would love to pray for you. And we have call screeners standing by to take your phone call at 929-333-3739. Pastor Matt, let me ask you a question. Uh, What is your absolute favorite parable of Jesus? I absolutely really not sure. <laughs> You're not sure. But, but I'm going to say the the parable of the friend at midnight. How's friend that one? Midnight. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. You, you know why? Why? Because you didn't expect that. <laughs> and that parable is about the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit That's when true. it goes down in there. It, it, when Jesus is really explaining how much more shall our Father give the Holy Spirit to them Mm. that ask him. Mm, And so we need God's power. But so the parables are so wonderful, Micah. And and I am doing a a series on the parables. So thank you for that question. (laughs) So now I have an opportunity to invite our listeners to our Sunday service at 490 Hudson Street on Sunday at 11 a.m. And actually this Sunday coming, I will be speaking on the parable of the tares. Mm. And that parable has had tremendous impact impact in in church history as okay. well and it's very important that we rightly interpret that parable because mm-hmm. wrong interpretation has brought about a lot of uh, misunderstanding about the concept of the local church okay anyway, i'll just leave All it right. there but the parable of the tares mm-hmm. is this sunday and we invite our listeners come on out to heritage baptist church i think we have a wonderful church i know we have great people at Heritage Baptist Church, mm-hmm. people who love the Lord, you'll have good fellowship. I yeah. believe you'll receive a friendly welcome, and we, we we would be so encouraged to have some of our listeners to come on out, visit with us this coming Sunday, and that will be August 13th at Heritage Baptist Church, 11 a.m. at 490 Hudson Street. And it's great to have with us tonight one of our longtime members, served as a deacon for many years at Heritage, Brother Suresh. Welcome back to the Heritage of Faith Conversation Program. Well, welcome, Pastor. Thank you, and always good to be here. Thank Thank you, you. brother. And also wonderful to have a a great friend, a dear brother, Chris Fox. Thanks for coming out tonight, Chris, being on the program and sharing your wisdom from God's Word. Uh, Pastor, always a pleasure and honor and privilege to be here. Amen. Okay, so tonight we are going to be in Romans chapter 6, verses 14 through 15. We're going to be talking about our life of victory in Jesus Christ. And here's the amazing thing about this, this passage of Scripture, dear friends, is that God's grace gives us the power and the desire to live and to live a holy life and to conquer sin by the power of his spirit working in us by the grace of God through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross we are no longer servants of sin but we are servants of God through Jesus Christ and that's what this pa- this passage of scripture really teaches us mm-hmm. so let's read it tonight we're going to read from Romans chapter 6 
And Micah, if you could please start us off up there in verse 14, and we'll read to the end of the chapter. Yep, Romans six fourteen. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin, because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey? Is sin? Ye are to obey, who whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death, or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that we, but ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart and from the doctrine which delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanliness and to iniquity, unto iniquity, even now, even so now, yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, being made free from sin and become servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you so much, Lord, for the book of Romans. We thank you as we have been going through it, Lord, that you're giving us another opportunity this Sunday evening. And we pray, Lord, that as people are given that choice between sin and death and life and Jesus, Lord, we just pray that our listeners have made the right choice or even somebody listening tonight, Lord, will make that choice. So bless us tonight as we discuss your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Twice in this passage of Scripture, we see the phrase free from sin what a powerful statement Mm. through jesus christ we have power over sin so here's our life of victory in romans chapter 6 whereas verses 1 through 13 emphasized our position as a saint in christ our union with christ that's Mm -hmm. what verses 1 through 13 really bore down in on that we are in union with jesus in his death we're buried with him we are raised with him verses 14 through 23 emphasize our practice as a servant we are now servants of christ and we are to practice and live out that we are no longer servants of sin we are free from sin we are servants of jesus christ amen and paul asked this question know ye not Know ye not. And so we're going to really attach that little statement to our main points that we would make tonight. Know ye not that sin is an enslaving master. Mm -hmm. And that's the first point. Mm -hmm. The second is know ye not that we are free from sin. And then third, know ye not that we ought to be ashamed of our past sin so not to continue in that sin. And lastly, know ye not that freedom from sin brings the fruit of holiness, that being free from sin leads to a holy life. So let's look at this, know ye not. That sin is an enslaving master, isn't it? Mm-hmm. We all. The thing about this is, and I, I believe we ought to have compassion and sympathy with people in sin. Yeah. Because if they're enslaved in some kind of sin, mm-hmm. we were too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and we should never forget right. 
how enslaved to sin we were so that we have mercy on those who have not experienced the, the grace of Jesus Christ. Yep. But sin is an enslaving master. Some sins seem to be more enslaving mm-hmm. even than others. Mm-hmm. And so when a person sins, they're not merely choosing an action, but they're choosing a master. Mm-hmm. And Because this passage says, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are. So when we yield ourselves to a sin, we're not just choosing to sin. We're choosing a master. And Jesus himself even said, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. John chapter 8, verse 34. So let's just talk about that for a moment, about the enslaving power of sin. And how is sin enslaving? And Chris, why don't we start with you? How, how is sin enslaving? And what kinds of sin do you find or see as very enslaving to people even today? For me right now, especially in modern entertainment, I look at the engagement of the occult. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm just going to give a quick definition of the occult as per the Oxford Dictionary. Supernatural, mystical, or magical beliefs, practices, or phenomenon. Here's the thing. The Bible is very clear, very explicit, mm-hmm. that such practices are not to be engaged. Yet, many times, the seduction of sin goes beyond the obvious and the overt mm-hmm. and goes into our lives in a covert manner. Mm-hmm. This can be ranging from reading a horoscope, which in essence is meaning you're going to some pseudo-astronomical source in order to find what you should be doing for your life instead of praying and worshiping. Mm. You are also many times looking at different levels of entertainment, your Harry Potter series, yeah. the Supernatural television series. There's even a show on television called Lucifer mm-hmm. and others. Anytime that you entertain, anytime you invite these methods of covert demonism, if you will, mm. into your life, you're inviting the adversary, inviting the devil, and you're basically putting God in a back burner. Mm. Because for many people, the greatest trick of the devil is making believe he doesn't exist. I say the greatest trick of the devil attempted is making people believe that God doesn't exist. Yeah. And by you taking in these different aspects, different um, avenues yeah. of non-Christian behavior mm-hmm. and acknowledgement of what is supernatural but definitively not what was divine, mm-hmm. you invite in sin that once it's into your life, it permeates, and getting rid of it is easier said than done. Yeah, yeah, and because they're not Christ, they're not of Jesus Christ and of the victory that he gave and gives to us through the gospel, right? Yeah. Oh, can I just mention, so I went to, down in Florida, I went to the Universal Theaters theme park, I think it was, and I was with some other people, and they wanted to go to the Harry Potter um, section of the theme park. And I remember somebody who was a Christian, they were saying, oh, well, you know, I kind of look at Harry Potter as, like, it shows the light and the dark, you know, kind of like the good against the evil, the light and the dark. And as we walked around, um, you didn't see any light. (laughs) It was all dark. There was a big dragon over the whole, like, fake city and stuff like that. So some people may be a little bit offended by Chris saying, you know, don't read Harry Potter, but it's all dark. So I yeah. agree with Chris. It's an yeah. enslaving sense. It, it, could, it's, it may seem subtle, but yeah. the Bible does speak against witchcraft. And in the New Testament, the word witchcraft is pharmakia, which connects drug abuse and yeah. drugs to, mm-hmm. 
to this whole idea of necromancy, of witchcraft, of the occult. Yeah. And that is has been a, a part of it as well. And mm-hmm. so it's almost like something like Harry Potter is, is almost like a starter lesson. Gateway drug, uh, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, for that kind of thing. So, dear friends, if you have questions or if you need prayer, maybe you've been involved in drugs or maybe even in the occult or maybe even into some deeper aspects of it and need deliverance and victory over this, give us a call. Let us pray with you at 929-333-3739. So, Suresh, we're talking about sins that are enslaving, and surely the occult is one. What what do you see as another? I see pasta gambling. Mm-hmm. And that's a big thing in our culture today. Huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's growing, huge. growing like wildfire. That's right. That's right. And Jesus spoke about uh, if you committed sin, you are servant to sin. Mm-hmm. So gambling is one part of it. So I'm just going to elaborate just a little bit about, 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 about a gambler. Mm-hmm. You know, he's enslaved. He's risking all and, uh, you know, trying to get a chance of winning. Mm-hmm. Then he's um, <clears throat> he's thinking about harming himself. Because it's just not about money. It's about self-esteem, relationships, Mm -hmm. physical and mental health, Mm -hmm. work performance, and also social life. Now, I could just bring a little instant about um, some people in Trinidad who I knew. Mm -hmm. And they love horse racing. I mean, that's one of them. Because people Mm -hmm. like to do off-bet gambling, right? Or they they go live. And in Trinidad, you could go live on the track. Okay. No one stops you. Mm. So I know this couple always go to the racetrack. They may win a few, but they lose more than they're winning. Mm-hmm. So they, 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 their house was like falling apart, but they just want to go to the track to try to see if they could get back what they lose in order to repair the, the home. At, up to this point, the house is collapsing, no repairs done to the house, and they still like to go to the track. I don't know what what draws them to the track, if mm-hmm. it's the love of money, mm-hmm. and they don't care about their own home, but that's just how gambling is. It's an addiction. Mm-hmm. It holds on to you. Yeah. Only Jesus, only the blood of Jesus Christ yeah. could save you. Yeah, and gambling is really just growing like wildfire because of sports betting now. Mm-hmm. And yes. and now when you watch a baseball <clears throat> game, you are being you are being confronted with gambling for every pitch, literally every pitch, you can gamble on something, on how many hits a guy's going to get during the game, whether the pitcher's going to get a certain number of strikeouts. And, and at the, in the, the pregame uh, part of, let's say, if you're watching a Mets or Yankees game, they give you all this gambling information to, to, get, to lure you in. And, it's, and actually the pregame show is sponsored by these gambling gr- groups. Wow. And there's, there's just, it's just all over the place, out of control. Yeah. And plus, you can't even, buy, if you're tempted to gamble, just think of how that temptation is everywhere. I mean, you go to buy gas. Yeah. And, yes. you know, you're going to be tempted with scratch games and match games and, and Lod- even lottery these, tickets. And lottery mm-hmm. tickets. And it seems, oh, it's, it's, not che- it's not expensive. You know, sin is very cheap. Mm. But the, it pays much more than you'll ever think you'll pay. Well, well, Pastor, for I'm sorry. Um, well, Pastor, for example, Judas, Judas, mm-hmm. he was Christ's um, <coughs> disciple, one of Christ's disciples. Yeah. I mean, a pastor came from Greenland recently and spoke about Judas. Yeah. Now, I'm not going. To, I will not go into that. But Judas sold our Lord. He gambled. That that's a form of gambling. Yeah. He sold our Lord. For 30 pieces of silver, he betrayed our Lord. Yeah. That's a perfect example for the love of money. Yeah. Chris? Just to make a point, and 
I call it seduction of the innocent in terms of children's society. The online gambling you mentioned, personal note, I know someone whose nephew had attached their bank account into a older teenager's um, account for gambling, and all the money that they accrued over the summer for uh, school supplies gambled away. Mm. Yeah. Again, even That's our true. young people are subject to this. This is by local governments as well. It shows you where, well, let's, let's pray that Christ comes soon because the devil is getting a deeper hand to our government in more ways than one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, and dear friends, again, our lines are open. We have loving prayer counselors here at 929-333-3739. Or if you want to come on, on the air and ask us a question, we'd love to hear from you. Call us right now. Nine two nine three 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 seven three nine. Micah, and what about what do you think of as an enslaving sin? Yeah, I think one of the most enslaving sins is fornication, and Scripture Absolutely. actually qualifies it differently than other sins. So listen to Paul's words in First Corinthians six eighteen: Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. So fornication is different than lying or cheating or stealing because it is a corruption of one's own body and we can understand why when we look back at God's word in Genesis chapter 2 where it says that the two people Adam and Eve come together physically in marriage and they actually become one flesh so if someone becomes one flesh with someone who is not their spouse or with multiple people then they're actually committing a crime against their own bodies and they are enslaved by that sin yeah and a part of fornication, we could say, is pedophilia as mm-hmm. well. And, mm-hmm. and the thing with the sin of fornication, it's like a whirlpool. It, 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 you don't just stay in the same place. You get sucked deeper and deeper into it. Yeah. And now America is perhaps the largest consumer of pedophilia mm-hmm. and, and of, of child sex trafficking mm-hmm. uh, and online pornography mm-hmm. than any nation in the world. And we're a nation of addiction. Mm -hmm. And so, dear friends, if you are ensnared in some form of fornication, that could be adultery, that could be homosexuality, it could be pedophilia. And they're coming after our children today, no Mm -hmm. doubt about it. They're Mm -hmm. trying to come after our children. They want to get our children and abuse them and rape them. And so, dear friends, it's happening, and we need to pray for God to bring revival to our country to deliver us from these sins, or maybe you're involved in them, you need help. 929-333-3739. And so these are some of the enslaving sins. Sin is an enslaving master. Mm -hmm. So let's look at some practical verses that deal with the power of sin, but also our victory over it. So I've asked you each to take a verse and make a brief comment about these verses as you apply them. So, Chris, if you could, first of all, start us off by reading and making a comment about Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 9. Certainly, Pastor. Start off. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall the Spirit reap life everlasting. Mm. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap, if we faint not. And Pastor, I also want to, just want to use another uh, passage, which I, uh, from the book of Hosea, 
eighth chapter and the seventh verse. And that is, For they have sown the wind, and they shall reap the whirlwind. It hath no stalk. The bud shall yield no meal. If it be it yield, the stranger shall swallow it up. So what this all means to me is this. We have the freedom of choice. You know, God's greatest gift was giving his only begotten son to die on the cross and be resurrected and reconciled us to him. But the other gift that God has given us is freedom of choice. But we're not free of the consequences, repercussions, and exactly. dealings of our choices. Mm-hmm. And for the record, for people who feel, well, I can't make a choice, not making a choice is a choice. Mm-hmm. When we engage within sinful behavior, when we purposely act in a way we know is not what God has us do and we ignore it. It's not even so much that will God punish us. God may simply decide to lift his protections from us let the world take over. Mm-hmm. For we are supposed to be in the world but not of the world. But we become of the world, we're corrupted by the world. And the corruption that leads to our downfall is one that we choose. That's not God's fault, that's our doing. Mm-hmm. And only through the salvation of Christ, only through our repentance, only through our faith and our beliefs can we be saved from these things? Yeah. The law of sowing and reaping is fixed. It's fixed in nature, and it's fixed in our spiritual lives. Whatever a man sows, that will he reap. You will reap what you sow, and you will reap more than you sow. Mm. And so God is not mocked, and do not be deceived. That's the, that's the challenge there. So, uh, Suresh, could you read 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13 for us? Sure. They had no temptation taken you, but such as come unto man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but with the temptation also make a way to escape that mm. ye may be able to bear it. So, so what that's saying here, Pastor, is temptation. <coughs> First of all, I'm going to say God is faithful. He's all faithful. He's all righteous. And he's sovereign. He stands strong. When a man sin, when a man is tempted, he shouldn't say he's tempted of God. There's no way. That's mm-hmm. right. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away. Yeah. All right. He's drawn away. Of his own lust. Of mm-hmm. his own lust. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. By by his own desires and enticed and lust. That's right. That's that's good, Pastor. I like that word. When temptation begins. It, it it begins in the mind mm-hmm. and it brings forth sin. Yeah. But again, our righteous God, God is faithful in all that with temptation he provides a way out, mm-hmm. That's a right. way of escape. If you trust God and you stand on his promises, you will you will be he will provide a way of escape. Mm-hmm. He will help you deal with your temptation also. Yeah. So we don't succumb. God remains committed and faithful to us, all who call upon his name. Amen. You know what I love about that verse, too? It says he, it's with the temptation mm. he makes a way to escape. So at the moment of temptation is the moment of escape. Mm. Yep. Once you start entertaining that temptation, yeah. you're much more prone to <laughs> fall into it, dear friends. Yeah. So as soon as that temptation comes, we have to develop a spiritual, spirit-filled response mm. 
to say no by the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm. And Micah, a uh, verse, if, if you could read and comment upon Proverbs 23, verse 7. Sure, and I'll just say that we are getting a few calls out there. And Ginny from Memorial Baptist Church says hi to you, Pastor. Oh, she yes, my first early. landlady <laughs> in New York City. Um, so Proverbs 23, 7, it begins by saying, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. So in context, the writer of the proverb is warning the reader not to associate with wicked men because even if the men are not in the middle of their wickedness, let's say, at that moment, the evil in their hearts will eventually be unleashed on all those around them. So the larger point, though, is that sin in man's heart will eventually manifest into sinful action. And in fact, God equates the two. So an act of sin, of course, is wrong. But even the desire for sin in your heart is also wrong. I was recently watching some videos of a street evangelist named Ray Comfort, who often asks people on the street if they consider themselves to be a good person. <laughs> and most of them, of course, say yes. And when they do, he, he asks them, you know, have you ever lusted after a woman in your heart? Have you ever <laughs> hated someone? And he points out that even those inward feelings are sin. And you can just see the people squirm because they feel convicted. And so instead of lust or hatred, what should a Christian have in his heart? Well, Scripture tells us we must think on things that are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, and the things that glorify God. I'll just finish with Colossians 3, 2. It says, set your affection on things above not on things of the earth. So if we do, then good fruit will be produced. Dear friends, maybe you're going through severe temptation right now, and there's a way of escape, and prayer is part of that way. And maybe you need somebody to pray with to bear your burden. Call us at 929-333-3739 right now. I've often heard it said this way, and this makes a lot of sense to me, that if you sow a sinful thought, you'll reap an action mm. if you entertain it. Mm -hmm. If you sow an action, you reap a habit. If you sow a habit, you reap a character. Mm. You mm. sow a character, you reap a destiny. And you cannot serve two masters. Yes. And so sin committed will be a commitment of a master to that of being a master of letting that sin master you but dear friends there is deliverance mm -hmm. there is power that we can be free from sin and we're going to talk about that know ye not that we are free from sin but first we're going to go to a song while we go to the song if you want to call get to us right now at 929 <laughs> 
Okay, so we're having a little company that that uh, CD got a little bit corrupted there, so we'll we'll stop that one there, and I'll get back to you. So, thank you for listening to the Heritage of Faith Conversations program, and we do have a call from Joe. So, Joe, thanks for calling, and you're on the Heritage of Faith Conversations. Uh, oh, yeah, I'm sorry, Joe. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Start over, Joe. Okay. So there's two friends, obviously, we're going through the Bible, and he came up, said, well, gee, okay, Matthew, Mark, and Luke has the same thing about Jesus coming uh, onto this individual, and uh, this man comes out of the tomb with demons. And one particular, I'm not sure if it's Matthew, Mark, or Luke, one, in a sense, he said, oh, it seems like a discrepancy. They should all say the same thing. One of the uh, Gospels say, okay, this person had one demon, and obviously I forgot which of the gospel. Okay, this her, this other gospel said, okay, this man had two. Yeah. So usually the the, the Bible um, verifies it should be unified. So that's why I'm calling up. Well, this my friends say, well, how come this gospel says one, the other gospel says two? So I figured, let me. Let me run it up. Yes, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, Joe, that's a really good question. And it's it's mm-hmm. a common question. And also, this commonly actually happens in the Gospels. It also happens with yes. the, the uh, blind men. In one Gospel, it yes. just says Bartimaeus. In another Gospel, I believe it says mm-hmm. that there are two Gospels. I, I think it's in... Um, There's one in Matthew in, 8, 28. Is, is it two? Yeah, it's yeah. too. In Matthew in Matthew chapter 8. Okay, so here here it is. Uh, Joe, is that each gospel gives their perspective. So if if you were watching something happen on a street corner and somebody was happening watching the same thing happen on another street corner, they would have a they would see that incident from a different angle and they would present Yeah, and so that's that's it simply with the gospel. So if one gospel just speaks about one man, he focused on that one man because mm-hmm. he was kind of like that star of the story, yeah. the man who, mm-hmm. who was legion, and he was the prominent yeah. one in that story. But there were two, yeah. because Matthew tells us there were two. Mm-hmm. And and so this two is... What? Two, 
two men or two demons in this one man? No, there were two different men. Two men. Mm-hmm. There were two men. Okay. Two demon-possessed men. Right. Yeah, there were two demon-possessed okay. men. Yeah. Okay? Right. Yeah, and so that's, it's not a contradiction, Mark, though. Joe, can I just say this? Yes. It's not a contradiction okay. because Mark doesn't say there was only just one. He, he, he talks just, about one. He talks about one. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay? Yeah. Okay. But, uh, but blew, what blows me away, this particular demon, <laughs> though there's a lot of us, why would this uh, legion, there's, that, that's a, a thousand legions, I mean, uh, demons, why would, but that's what the Bible said, they had so many. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Okay, so Joe, well, thank you. Thanks. Uh, thanks for. We're going to let you go. Thank you so much for for calling tonight. And let's get back into our conversation, Romans chapter six, this evening. And our phone lines are open if you need prayer at nine two nine three 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 seven three nine. So, Chris, in Romans chapter six and verse seventeen, let's focus in on that verse. How does Paul describe our release from being servants of sin? I was going to recap part of the verse. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. In essence, we were bound by sin because we, when we were living in sin, did not know who our Savior was. We did not understand who Jesus was. We did not understand the sacrifice he made on the cross. We didn't understand the blood he shed because of our sins. Now we do. Now we are aware. Now we are accountable for these things. By being aware, being accountable, we have an obligation to put away the old man and develop the new. We have an mm-hmm. obligation yeah. to recognize that we are not servants of sin, but rather we are servants of God. In the Bible, specifically, um, in terms of Paul, mm-hmm. his uh, protege, Timothy, Peter. Um, who was a main servant of God, James and Jude, the brothers of God, all describe themselves in different chapters, Romans, Philippians, James, Second Peter, and Jude, all from the first chapter, the first verse, that they were all bond servants of God. Mm-hmm. That means that you make a conscious choice to put away the sin and develop the righteousness. We make a conscious choice to invite God into our hearts, to let the Holy Spirit dwell within us, to shun sin, to shun what is unholy, to shun what is negative, to absorb what is holy and righteousness. We do this as a conscious decision, not merely because we have had it written and told to us, because we believe it and because we envelop it and develop it us and intrinsically take it within our hearts and our lives. Yeah, amen, amen. We are bond servants of Jesus Christ, dear friends. And I love how Paul says it in verse 17, very unusual where he says, we have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. And the form of doctrine, it speaks of a mold. And the the mold that we believe is the gospel mm. of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. that he died for us on the cross and was buried and rose again. And so when we obey this form of doctrine, we are putting our heart into the mold mm. 
of the gospel itself. And so as we put our heart into that mold, we are shaped after the gospel. And the gospel and the power of the gospel is what delivers us from sin because Christ died for our sin and he rose again from the dead. And so we have obeyed from the heart that mold, that form of doctrine. Powerful. Then in Suresh, Suresh in Romans chapter 6 and verses 18 and 19, Paul shows us how to live out freedom from sin. And just in case we're wondering, okay, how do we yield our members as instruments of righteousness to God? That's what he set up in verse 13. Paul explains this after the manner of men, doesn't he, in Romans chapter 6 and verse 18 and 19. So how does Paul explain how to live out this freedom over sin? Well, Pastor, I could put it in a little perspective that Paul puts spiritual truth into human terms Mm -hmm. so we can understand how to serve out our new master, our release and deliverance from sin through Jesus Christ our Lord, who now made us servants to righteousness. Mm -hmm. But I'm just going to draw an example here. It says, according to the scriptures, the way to yield ourselves to serve God in righteousness is to do the exact same thing we used to do when we yield ourselves to servants of unrighteousness. Yeah, and we know how to do that well. Exactly. (laughs) And iniquity, yes. We do the same thing, but we do works of righteousness now instead. So we just reverse the system. Mm -hmm. And I want to say one more thing, Pastor. So it's impossible to be neutral. Every person has a master, either God Mm -hmm. or sin. Mm -hmm. A Christian is not someone who cannot sin but someone who no longer is a slave to sin mm. because why he belongs to God amen amen Micah amen. did you want to add to that yeah um, Jesus said as you referred earlier pastor in Matthew six twenty four, that no man can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will hold to the one and despise the other so what Paul is describing is an exchange of masters you know each human being is born into servitude mm. And the original master for all of us is the same. It's sin and darkness. That's Mm. our master. But if we then move from the bondage of sin and we yield instead to serve the one true God in righteousness and holiness, we are exchanging masters. And last week, our panelist Bailey, she described this perfectly when she was asked by a young person in our church what it felt like when she was saved. And she said, it felt like I was free from sin. So she was free from that master. And then now she was also free to serve the new master. Right, and salvation changes our desires, Mm -hmm. our want to. It says God worketh in us both to will and then to do of his good pleasure. Mm -hmm. And that's really the grace of God giving us the desire to do right and then the power Mm -hmm. to do right. And just like one sin when I was unsaved led to another sin, Mm -hmm. now one Righteous action yeah. leads to another righteous action. That's good. Mm-hmm. So if you're struggling with sin, do something good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do something right. Yeah. Choose to read your Bible. Mm-hmm. Amen. And choose to get on your knees and pray. And choose to say something nice to your husband or your wife. And start ch- making those right choices and doing the right thing. On Sunday, make a decision to go to church. And then after church, 
to do something good, maybe to give out a tract to somebody or I don't know. And then let one righteous action Mm -hmm. lead you and suck you into another righteous action rather than one (laughs) sinful action suck you into another sinful action. You know, so just, as you said, Suresh, reverse the process. Mm -hmm. That's right. And that's why Paul says, he says, I speak after the manner of men. And I like how he says that. He's like, let me just tell you how it's straight, because (laughs) we're all sinners and we know how to yield ourselves to sin, right? Mm -hmm. We know how to do that. Now yield yourself to God. Amen. And freedom from sin brings the fruit of holiness. Don't you know? Know ye not? Verses 22 and 23. Micah, that while sin leads to a deadly paycheck, what does Romans 6.22 now say is the fruit of being made free from sin and to become the servant to God? Yeah, well, verse 22, it says, But now, being made free from sin and becoming servants of God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. So we have exchanged the fruit of death and dust for the fruit of the Spirit. You know, the contrast is as stark as a person in ragged, soiled clothing compared to a beautiful bride in pure white linen and lace. And there are several lists in the Bible of the fruit that the Spirit produces in the believer, including the first chapter of Second Peter, where Peter lists virtue, knowledge, patience, godliness, kindness, and love. And there's also joy and peace. And the best part yeah. of all is that all of that fruit is carried into eternity. You know, our verse in Romans 6 says, in the end, everlasting life. So yeah. like a pure bride, we enter and remain eternally in heaven, adorned in virtue. Amen. And you know what? I skipped verses. Uh, I skipped some verses oh. there, Mike. So I, didn't <laughs> yeah, you mean, did. I didn't mean to do that. So, Chris, let's back up for a moment to verses 20 and 21, actually, because after he speaks after the manner of men, he says that we're we're also ashamed of our past sins, aren't mm-hmm. we? Yeah. You know, when we come to Christ, we, we say, I cannot believe that I lived in that way. And then we also have to sometimes experience the consequences we talked earlier yeah. that we're free to ch- make a choice yeah. but we're not free to choose the consequences right. mm. and so perhaps we're ashamed of the consequences of some of our best of our past sin so in romans chapter 6 verses 20 and 21 that's what paul is really saying know ye not that we're ashamed of our past sin so how can you continue doing that of doing things that really only just brought you shame in the past, you know? Yeah. Don't you know if you continue doing that, it's going to continue to bring you shame? Yeah. So, Chris, Paul's motivating us, isn't he, to live out our righteousness by asking us that question. What fruit had ye then in those sinful activities that resulted in shame and death? What fruit did you have in them? So how does sin lead to this life of misery and shame and then even of death? Well, Pastor, you can get many examples of individuals who... For example, committed crimes and had incarcerations. People who had drug use and then permanent injuries as a yep. result. But I'm going to give a little more of a secular information about this concerning a professed Christian and one who is not, both of whom are household names. Mm. Two boxers, Evander Holyfield, Mike Tyson. Oh, yeah. Uh, people know the controversy <laughs> in the past. So that's not what I'm going to get into now. Yeah. Recently, two of whom have reconciled become very close friends. Mm. Recently, to just paraphrase, Vanda Holyfield was discussing Mike Tyson and discussing how Mike Tyson was extremely regretful of a lot of the transgressions he had made in the past, including those towards Vanda Holyfield. And and let's just be specific so listeners, I mean, maybe not everyone knows that when they were boxing, Evander Holyfield bit 
uh, Mike Tyson's uh, other way around, Pastor. I'm sorry. Other way around. Bit Evander uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Mike Tyson bit Evander Holyfield's ear, and then he bit the other one. <laughs> yes, in their second and fight. So, so Mike Tyson has has asked forgiveness, if you will, of Holyfield for that, and now they're friends. Yes, and, and Holyfield has definitely given that forgiveness. There are other aspects of yeah. Mike's life which he has regrets of, and the point is, Holyfield, again, professed Christian, made a point that he believes that Mike has regrets and has um, made amends and so forth for his past transgressions, mm -hmm. but Mike himself does not believe it. Mm -hmm. Now understand, Mike Tyson is not a professed Christian, quite the opposite. Yeah. He follows a wholly different ideology. Mike Tyson does not know the salvation of grace. Mm -hmm. Mike Tyson does not know the Savior of Jesus Christ. Mike Tyson does not have the blood of the Lamb cleansing his sins. Yeah. So because you do not have salvation of your sins, you are doomed to have to wallow in them for all your time. He has no sense of salvation because he has no sense of who his Savior truly is. He follows a false doctrine. When we follow the Most High, we follow not only by a cerebral, but a submission in spirit. Mm. We receive the Holy Spirit in our lives. We receive a salvation. We receive a cleansing. We receive a new hope, if you will. Mm -hmm. But without these things, we're lost eternally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what fruit had ye then in those things whereof you are now ashamed? You're saying that Mike Tyson, even though he's not a Christian, he has experienced the the fruit of shame. Absolutely, for it still the does. Things that he has done in the past, and he he feel he feels that sense of shame. And because he's not a Christian, he doesn't really. You're, you're saying that he he probably doesn't forgive. He doesn't feel like forgiven. He doesn't forgive himself because he doesn't feel forgiven. Period. He yeah. doesn't. He, he feels hasn't been forgiven by the Lord. Mm. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I guess we could say it this way: that our past sins lead us all to feel shame. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just like Mike Tyson felt shame mm -hmm. for biting Evander Holyfield's Ouch. Ouch. ears. <laughs> Not just one ear. That's the amazing thing. He bit one ear and a few, I don't know how many rounds later. I, I, I don't it was within the same round. Oh, it was in the same round. He bit the other ear. I mean, and everybody was watching, you yeah. know. And so he, he couldn't deny it. And that's, that's, at least he couldn't deny it. So, dear friends, what sin are you committing and you're in denial of? But it's causing you shame in your life. Mm. Will you not repent? Will you not turn to Jesus? Will you not experience his love, his forgiveness? He will cleanse you. He will cast your sins behind his back. Jesus will cast your sins into the deepest sea. He will remember your sins no more because he died for them on the cross for you, dear friends. You don't have to bear the fruit of shame and then the consequence even ultimately of death. Mm. Yeah, I'll just give another, you know, since Chris gave yeah. a secular example, I'll give another one. I went to see the musical Les Miserables with my parents a couple weeks ago. And this is probably the fourth or fifth time I've seen it. You know, I've seen the movie version. I've seen a few theatrical productions. And this is the first time I really recognized that the, at the core of the story, there's a lot of things going on, but at the core of the story is two men who both receive grace and mercy. And the first man, Jean Valjean, it changes his life. He completely turns to God. He becomes a servant of God because he's shown grace and mercy by a priest in the, in the production and in the book. Um, the other man, Javert, he experiences grace and mercy from Jean Valjean, 
and it actually causes him, spoiler alert, to kill himself mm. because he can't accept <coughs> the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness. So mm. he actually then can't deal with the inner turmoil. And so it, it was just it's this contrast between the two men. So, yes, if you are not saved and if you do not <laughs> receive the grace of Jesus, you're going to live in that shame that could actually lead you to death. Yeah, and a lot of people have taken their lives out of such shame, yeah. out of this of the the shame of sin, dear friends. And perhaps adultery has led you to the shame of divorce and you have to experience that and you have to live with that divorce because of your own sin of adultery or perhaps drunkenness has led you to the shame because of the things you did in your drunken state of cursing and 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 fighting or and maybe the memory loss that you exhibited and it's led you to such shame but there is forgiveness with god aren't we glad mm. of the mercy of jesus christ amen because he didn't just die for some of your sins christ took all your sins in his body on the cross and all the sins of the world which makes him the most powerful man who's ever lived to bear such a weight and as one song speaks, it's the, the weight upon Jesus when he bore that cross wasn't just the weight of the wood of the cross. It was the weight of our sins mm. that, in a sense, caused him to cry out in such anguish from the cross. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And the answer is profound and there's no complete answer to it, but yet it's simple. Why was Jesus forsaken? So you could be accepted. Mm. So you could be forgiven, dear mm -hmm. friends. And so come to Jesus. Call upon him. Whosoever shall call upon the Lord from his heart shall be saved. Ask the Lord to save you. And if we could pray with you right now, call us at 929-333-3739. For freedom from sin brings the fruit of holiness and so, Chris, in in Romans, well, let me let me get my pages here right. I'm messing up tonight. Sorry about that. Suresh over here. Suresh in Romans chapter six twenty three. So as we're, we're going to close this up in Romans six twenty three. This great gospel verse, mm. and this verse really speaks of two absolutes. So the first absolute is the wages of sin is death. Talk to us about this absolute that God gives to us through the Apostle Paul. Well, Pastor, man is a free agent, so you're free to choose between there as two masters we're talking about here. One is God and one is sin. One is death. So you're free to choose between two masters, but you are not free to adjust the consequences of your choice, as you think. Each of the two masters pay with their own currency, the currency of sin unto death. That is all you can accept in life without God and the next currency is Christ's currency Christ's currency mm. is eternal life as you just said pastor believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved and he will give you eternal life mm. eternal life a new life with God that begins on earth and continues forever with God only you have to reach out and receive that free gift of salvation. You receive yes. that free gift of salvation, you instantly became saved on this child. The wages 
of sin is death. And that penalty for sin, the amazing thing, it hasn't changed one bit since the Garden of Eden mm-hmm. till now. Yeah. And the good news is Jesus bore that separation of death. And that's what death is. It's separation ultimately from God for all eternity. The wages or penalty of sin is separation from God for all eternity. The second absolute, Chris, is the gift of God is eternal life. So talk to us about that absolute. So here's the thing. Yes, the gift is eternal life. It has to be a gift that is freely received as it is freely given. And also, I'm just going to say, has to be a gift that you indwell within yourself, not just give a cerebral lip service. I'm going to quote something. Book of James, second chapter, 19 verse. James, brother of Jesus. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. What this means is it cannot be simply a cerebral acknowledgement. It cannot be simply lip service. It has to be a spiritual acknowledgement, a spiritual submission, and a spiritual indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But once this gift has been truly free received, it gives upon spiritual dividends that saves us from ourselves and saves us from the sins of the world and gives us eternal life through Jesus. And that is what we need to understand. The gift is freely given, it's freely received, it must be sincerely received. Anybody can say, I believe in Jesus, do you follow his word? Do you submit yourself to his word? Do you dwell the Holy Spirit? If this is the case, then you are saved from yourself and from the sins of the world. Amen. You know, the first absolute, we so deserve. The wages of sin is death, and we so deserve death. The second absolute, we can never earn or deserve. We simply receive the gift of God is eternal life through mm-hmm. Jesus Christ our Lord. Yeah, well, you know, when I think about this verse, Romans 6.23, which is so famous, it's in the Romans Road yes. when we when we share yeah. the gospel with people. Mm-hmm. Um we can think about it as a summary of the gospel, as we've been saying, but maybe it's even a summary of the entire Bible. You know, when I read the words, the wages of sin is death, the image that comes to mind, as, as you mentioned, Pastor, is Adam and Eve being cast out of the garden. You know, their wages for disobeying God was a death sentence, but they didn't receive those wages without any hope. Otherwise, the whole story of humanity would be a tragedy. No, God has offered humanity the gift, we've been talking about it all hour, that we don't deserve his gift of eternal life, which comes only through Jesus Christ. Now, we can accept it or reject it. As Chris said earlier, we're given that choice. But to anyone listening tonight, why on earth would you reject the gift of Jesus? He is our Redeemer, Amen. our Savior, our, our Bridegroom, and our friend. Thank you, Micah. Thank you, Suresh and Chris. Dear friends, the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ not through any church, not through any works, not through human goodness. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord, period. Through nothing, through no one. He's enough and all. Good night. Good night, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program. To find out more about Heritage Baptist Church and our service times and locations, visit our website at hbcnyc.org. We stream multiple services online each week, including 11 a.m. Sunday mornings and 7.15 p.m. Wednesday nights. All are welcome, and you can find links to participate in our services on our website, hbcnyc.org.